Our scripture lesson picks up again with Psalm 40, beginning in verse 6 and reading through verse 11. I invite us to read together the psalm. Sacrifice and offering you do not, desi- you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law was within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. May God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. It is good to be here with you in the house of the Lord. And we begin this new sermon series called Praying the Psalms. And it's on Martin Luther King weekend. And as I kind of think about this new series, Praying the Psalms, and what it means to have a psalmist give us words, I wondered, you know, how Martin Luther King used the psalms in his writings and his speeches. I found an article from December the 20th in the Journal of Scriptural Reasoning when Thomas Dixon writes about that very topic, how Dr. King used the scriptures. Dixon writes, in Strength to Love, King states that the Bible expresses God's tough-mindedness in his justice and wrath and his tender-heartedness in his love and grace. It is in this tough-minded justice that God punished Israel for her wayward deeds, and King extends this truth to the contemporary geopolitical world, saying when slumbering giants of injustice emerge in the earth, We need to know that there is a God of power who can cut them down like the grass and leave them withering like the green herb. First, King appeals to a broad scriptural theme, that the God who disciplined Israel is the same God who rules over the nations today. Secondly, King envisions the earth's unjust powers as mere grass that withers before God's power of just wrath. The image of fading grass most directly alludes to Psalm 37, verse 2. The context of that passage fits King's purposes perfectly. Both for the psalmist and for King, the use of this image encourages oppressed hearers and threatens oppressive powers with the prophetic claim that these putative rulers will shrivel before the Lord's judgment. Dr. King used the words of the psalmist to express his thoughts, his understanding of God and God in the world. We all have times in our life where we just don't have the words. We don't have the vocabulary. Or maybe we're just, we don't have it within us to say what we really want to say. So we 
we do what a lot of people do, and we go down to the grocery store, to the Walgreens or CVS, and we go to the greeting card area, and we start walking through, thumbing through the many greeting cards. I did that for us today. Take, for instance, if a friend is retiring, there's a card for someone retiring. This one says, some advice for adjusting to retirement. On Monday morning, set your alarm clock for the usual time. When it goes off, think about work, chuckle, then roll over and go back to sleep. When Valentine's Day is fast approaching, I found a couple for Valentine's Day. If you're in need of a card, come see me later. This one has a picture of a typewriter on it, and it says, The best love stories are the real ones God writes. With his love, grace, and a miracle or two for trusting hearts. Grateful to be living the story with you. XOXO on Valentine's Day. And it also has a, a passage here from 1 Corinthians 13. Love never gives up. Cares more for others than for self. Doesn't keep score. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Another one I found for Valentine's Day. I really like this one. It's very dramatic. It says, I heard that people don't want expensive stuff on Valentine's Day. They want meaningful experiences. I sure hope you have enjoyed this greeting card experience. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. And one of my favorites, I couldn't help but bring it in. This is between two women, two friends who are women. This is a thankful card of friendship. It has two pictures of women on it. It says, good friends provide each other with comfort, support, and a feeling of well-being. So do good bras. <laughs> but they never give the excellent advice that you do. <laughs> then there are those occasions in life when we face sorrow and grief and we just don't know what to say. And greeting card companies help us with that too. This one says, in times of sorrow, when words of comfort are needed most, it seems they are most difficult to say. But may you find comfort in knowing that warm thoughts and sympathy are with you. And one last one that says, for somebody getting a new home. Home sweet home. Furnish it with friendship. Decorate it with laughter. And warm it with love. Congratulations on your new home. When I was thinking about all of the Christmas cards that we've received and New Year's cards we've received in the past season. I couldn't help but think about all those wonderful cards we receive that have those personal, like the year in review kind of a message or pictures with Merry Christmas and their family in the picture. And these are all wonderful. And there's also the cards we receive that has these pre-printed messages. Those are wonderful. Because I know each and every one of these cards expresses a sentiment, an emotion, a thought, a well-wish, a blessing that they themselves have come up with, 
that they themselves can only offer a picture or they themselves have looked for someone else to say for them. But in owning those words, they become theirs. This series that we are entering into, Praying the Psalms, does just that. It invites us into this understanding of the Psalms that the psalmist has been right where we are, no matter where we are in life. The psalmist has been there and has been there for thousands upon thousands of years. The book of Psalms does something that the other books don't pay a lot of attention to. The book of Psalms does what the other books do. All the other books of the Bible have the word of God in them. They have the will of God. They have the presence of God. The Psalms have that too. But what the Psalms really emphasize is the human experience. And the psalmist is expressing that experience for us. Not just himself. Not just for Israel. But for all of humanity. When we read the psalms, we read human suffering. We read human pain. We read human loss. And we read human victory. We read human gratefulness and thankfulness, gratitude. We read surprise. And we read about humanity being saved by God. Humanity's response to God's intervention and God's presence. That's a powerful thing that the book of Psalms does. Unlike any other book in the Bible, the psalmist understands and articulates the human condition for us. Maybe that's why it's such an important book for the church. An important collection for the Jewish people. Because it is understood that what the psalmist articulates is our experience. So we ask a question as we begin this series. What is prayer? When do we pray? Why do we pray? We could answer these questions in any number of ways. In fact, as many people there are in this room, that's probably how many answers we would get for each one of those questions. But I want to try to keep it simple. And I want us to understand that prayer is a communication. It's communicating with God and God with us. And why do we pray? We pray for change. Something new. Something different than what we're in. Or what we're expecting. When do we pray? If you're like me, we pray most. And we pray most earnestly when we're in trouble. When there's threat. When there's danger. When there's temptation. When there's failure. That's, that's when we pray most earnestly. But what about when we're comfortable? When we're secure and safe, do we pray then? And what do we pray for when we're secure and safe? What about when we're surprised by God's salvation in our life, God's presence and intervention in the world? What do we pray then? How do we respond to God's intervention in life? The psalmist 
praise in all of these conditions and in all of these seasons of life. And that's what this series is about. As we get into this series, we're going to look at Psalm 40, a powerful, powerful uh, psalm that looks at all of these conditions in life, all of these seasons in life, and allows us to pray with the psalmist. If we look at this psalm, if we look at the full psalm, verses 1 through 17, we can see the, the, the history of Israel being played out being petitioned and prayed over this powerful faith history, this story of salvation. If we read through that psalm with the lens of Israel's history, we can see the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God of Yahweh bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, bringing them out of slavery and bondage, out of oppression and into the wilderness. Crossing the Red Sea, they find salvation. They find help. And they sing and they glorify God. And then they find themselves in the wilderness, away from the Egyptians, but facing more threats, more dangers, more enemies. And they feel threatened yet again. And the psalmist reminds us that God is present in the wilderness. God is present with his people, leading them through the wilderness to the promised land, over the Jordan River, into the promised land, where they will sing and they will mark their their crossing with stacked stones. So that all generations will understand and know that God saved God's people at the Jordan River. Oh, but when they, get in, when, they, when they arrive in the promised land, yet there are more threats, there are more dangers. The Canaanites and the Canaanite gods. But God is with them. God intervenes, raises up judges and leaders to lead them on how to live in this promised land, how to resist How to be faithful. And they feel secure. And they feel safe. And then Jerusalem is attacked. And the temple is destroyed. And the people are exiled. But God is with them in the exile and brings them back to safety. The psalmist understands this pattern in life that we have we may begin in a be in a place of security and of comfort. But like the psalmist, we pray, we waited patiently for the Lord. And we find ourselves in danger, under threat, against odds that we cannot overcome. And we pray for God's help. And when God's help comes, God tells us, don't make a sin offering. That's not what I desire. Don't give a thanksgiving offering. That's not what I require. But let your ear be open. Let your heart be open. Obey and follow me. Bring me into your heart your innermost self, 
That's what I require. That's what I desire. That's our response. When we are surprised, when God is present among us and God saves us in the midst of our enemies, we are certainly grateful. And when we find ourselves in comfort, insecure and safe, we pray with the psalmist that we wait hoping for the God's for our God's presence again and again and again. It's a powerful thing to pray with the psalmist, to let the psalmist speak for us, to offer words when we don't have them, to know what to say when we don't, to know how to pray when we don't, to be afraid to pray. And the psalmist is not. I invite us now into a time of prayer. Let us kick off this series, these next three weeks, with a prayer by praying the entire Psalm 40. I'm going to lead us in this prayer. I invite you to just close your eyes and let the psalmist lead us. Let us recognize that when we, we can be thankful for God's presence and salvation, and with the psalmist remain hopeful in God's continued presence. Let us pray with the psalmist. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. With the psalmist, we remember that there are always risk of threat and temptation. And let us offer thanksgiving by hearing God's word and obeying his commands with an open ear and an open heart. With the psalms, we pray. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burn offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. With Psalm 40, we look for God's presence and seek God's mercy in times of stress and threat. We pray with Psalm, Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. 
we continue to pray with the psalmist as we look to our future, not knowing what tomorrow holds, praying with hope and expectation of God's presence. We pray with Psalm 40. For evils have encompassed me without number. My iniquities have overtaken me until I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let all those be put to shame and confusion who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! But may all who seek you just rejoice and be glad in you. And may those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Amen. As we make our way through this series over the next three weeks, I invite us to consider the season that we all live in. They may all be different. We may be all in different places in life, in different seasons in life. Maybe we are secure and safe, or maybe we feel threatened by internal or external overwhelming odds. Or maybe we're in a season of surprise. We're surprised by finding safety and security in the face of overwhelming odds. So for the next three weeks, let us with the psalmist look to God's steadfast love and mercy. Let us pray with him. Let us pray with the psalms as they articulate our human condition, our seasons of life, our responses to God's intervention and salvation, our gratitude, our worry, our fear, our comfort and security. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.